Hello, I'm Simon Bose. Welcome to the Net Hero Podcast. Now, another in our series looking at some of the speakers who are going to be at the Big Zero show in just about a month's time on the 20th of June in Coventry. We've got 2,000 delegate seats already filled up, so make sure you register. One of the things we're going to bring you is a session from police woman. And you wonder what on earth did the police have to do with Net Zero? And I thought that exact same thing until I was approached by Vanessa Isles from the West Midlands Police Cyber Division. Well, we'll talk to Vanessa in a second. But it really made me think because I hadn't thought about this until Vanessa said it, that actually, as we transition to Net Zero, think about all the things that we're already doing that make us digitally vulnerable as businesses. And are we thinking about what may well come? That's what we're going to explore today in this chat. Vanessa, you're Detective Superintendent. Are you more than that? Are you more than Detective Superintendent these days? No, I'm just a Detective Superintendent. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, A, for coming along and raising this with us. But let's just start with the beginning. Why did you want to come to our conference about Net Zero to talk about cybercrime? Can you explain to the listeners why it's relevant for them? Yeah, it's a bit left of field, but but actually really relevant. So um, what we're finding is that with growing numbers of organisations, charities, businesses who want to become more sustainable or more net zero, a lot more of their work is going online whether that's their communication, whether that's their, their banking, or whether it's, as you know, we, we've discussed, uh, selling of energy or transferring of accounts. Um, yeah. it's, all, yeah. it's done online, and that means that your working online needs to be safer because if you are cyber-attacked, then you're really vulnerable yeah. for the whole of your business, and the damage can be irrevocable, and we want to help businesses to prevent that happening. So let's talk about this unit. So for, for those those who listen, we had a little chat before we recorded. You've had a 30-odd career in, in the police and you've done all the stuff, you know, CID, murders, the whole sort of stuff. But you've been part of the cyber resilience unit. So how did it come about, first of all? Who funds it? And you're obviously in the West Midlands, but are there sort of these cyber resilience units around the country as well? Yeah, okay. So about a year and a half ago, I was the senior investigating officer overseeing serious and complex child abuse across the black country in the West Mids. Before that, I was the senior investigating officer investigating uh, shootings, attempt murders, kidnappings across Birmingham. So about a year and a half ago, I got promoted to superintendent. And at that level, the chief constable decides where you're posted. Yeah. And there was a vacancy in this position as uh, managing director and police officer in charge of the cyber resilience. Centre. There's one of us in every region across England and Wales. Right. And um, we're all police led. We're all part home office funded and we're all not for profit. And because we're police led, we all play really well together. And, you know, we hand over businesses or memberships when needed. And uh, we are set up as part of the government strategy to help businesses become cyber safer. And we've got loads of free help and free services that we can and share with businesses to start them on their journey. And in terms of this, you know, someone like you who's done this very serious crime, to join this, let, let's be brutally honest, is that something that you thought, hey, this is a new field? How, you know, I've known a lot of couples about, and they kind of, dare I say, like the action. But do you feel this is as serious as the other crimes that you've investigated? Because a lot of people think, well, cybercrime, no one really gets hurt. But it, it's quite nasty. 
Yeah, so there's a few bits and pieces there. Um, I don't want to overshare, but when I had about two and a half years service, I was severely assaulted on duty and left for dead. And at that point, I kind of realised, you know what, it's better to prevent crime than to detect it. And in relation to cyber attacks and cyber crimes, we're never going to arrest our way out of this because a lot of the cyber attackers are from, you know, far off parts of the world. So really important to prevent these crimes. But, you know, I heard the the phrase not so long ago, oh, they're soft crimes, you know. Yes. They're victimless. Yes, people say that, don't they? Yeah, but if you've set up a business, and bearing in mind I'm the managing director of this business, you are investing your heart, your soul, your mind, your hours, mm. your exhaustion, your sweat, blood and tears. You're really working your row out. You're really passionate about your business. So if somebody takes away not only your livelihood, but maybe the two or three people work with you, yeah, and yeah. you're totally without a penny coming in, and everything, your reputation, your business is devastated. Actually, the impact of that on not only people's livelihoods, their family, their poverty, but also their well-being is absolutely enormous. These are victims and it's devastation that is caused and I want to prevent that. It sounds like the police are taking it seriously, which is great, and the Home Office will be involved. But obviously, let's be honest, this is a very new field of crime, okay? Murder's been around a long time, unfortunately, same as robbery and all the other things we know. But the cyber stuff, A, it changes. Uh, B, the level of complexity increases. And C, as you nailed just earlier, it's not even sometimes done here. It could be done right across the world. So if you looked at cybercrime and you were going to explain to my listeners kind of the challenges the police face, what are the biggest sort of things we're trying to, to prevent? What do you go and go, right, this is my checklist of the things that could happen to a business and why investigating this crime can be trickier than you'd think. Okay, so one of the big challenges is that businesses and charities uh, perceive that they are not vulnerable because they don't have a lot of spare cash. Yes. I understand that thought process, but you know what? Data is the new cash these days. And as a result, what we're saying to people is you might not have much money, but if that cyber attack steals all of your records, shuts down your website, your Facebook account, or takes all of your orders, your client details, your banking details, how are you going to carry on business? And what's the impact going to be on your business moving forward from your clients, your supply chains, your members, your donors. What we're finding in the last 12 months, about a third of businesses are saying that they've suffered some sort of cyber attack. Yeah. And a quarter of charities are saying the same. We also have information that suggests that if you pay ransomware, if you pay that money on the dark web to try and get your money, your information back, first of all, you're unlikely to get very much information back, if anything. And second of all, you're metaphorically putting your hand up and saying I will pay attackers Mm. if they've attacked my business so you're more likely to get attacked in the future so what we really want is for businesses to start doing some of the basics we do like 10 easy steps within the cyber resilience centers stuff like strong passwords or multi-factor authentication or upgrade your systems when you can these are basic things that I know take time and I know they can be a bit of a nause but you know what if you do these basic things you will be cyber safe 
safer, better than you were before you did them. And that's what I'm trying to help because police officers, when they join under like the, the Peel principles, yeah. which is that we police by consent. Yeah. Might not always feel like that, but <laughs> we do as a society. But also one of the huge aims of police services across uh, England and Wales is that we want to prevent crime. This is exactly what I'm trying here. It's just with a different group of people who may not have thought about it in this way. If you're online, make sure you're doing that prevention. It's a little bit like shutting your windows and locking them, locking your doors, setting an alarm, and maybe not telling the whole neighbourhood that you're out at the moment. Yeah, It's those basics. Let's go a few things there, which I think are really interesting that you've said. Now, people have heard of cyber attacks. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I think the NHS was attacked, you know, big attacks, we hear about this. What are the common things that business can face? So people hear about this term ransomware. It's basically, correct me if I'm wrong, someone comes in, sends you an email, says, I've locked you out of your business or whatever, unless you cough up generally using weird digital currencies, which I don't even understand, then that's that. But what are the other sort of things that can happen? What are the types of cybercrime? Is there like a, a copying crime? Is there a crime where they sort of fake to be you to win money? What are the things you've investigated so far? Okay, so my role is absolutely about the prevention. And the biggest type of cyber attacks that businesses are suffering is phishing attacks. So it's basically a method of cyber attackers sending you usually an email. It can be OneNote. It can be other methods. It can be WhatsApp, that sort of stuff. But phishing emails where they're saying, and they use social manipulation. Right. So they either use, they try and baffle you with science or they try and use the concept of scarcity. So there's only four hours left of this special offer or they try and use fear and bullying such as you're facing a tax bill that sort of thing yeah that's it yeah or you're being investigated um click here for the details or something you know this one would probably penetrate with many people in that you know you might get an email which says you owe three pound 82 on your tax bill yeah you this has been outstanding for a period of time if you don't pay immediately you will be prosecuted yes well you would fall for that because a there's it's frightening the idea of being prosecuted B you've got to pay immediately and C it's only a small amount of money so you might click on that button and sometimes uh, what we're finding with modern methods of phishing emails they're becoming more convincing and so they read better so that's a really really big method of attack and this is where a business sometimes their biggest vulnerability can be their own staff because their staff might inadvertently or accidentally click on a phishing email attachment or link yeah and that's where we strongly recommend raising awareness of cyber attacks with your staff we do provide some of those services through the cyber resilience center network i suppose there are other methods of attacks and cloning you're absolutely right Uh, so cloning maybe your linkedin site or your website uh, or your facebook account those are methods but phishing emails is the biggest one so your own staff can accidentally be your biggest vulnerability and then other vulnerabilities is your supply chain and so if you're a small business, you are a supply chain to a bigger business. Yep. And some of those cyber attacks can come through you to get to the bigger business. And so that's why we want micro, small, medium and large businesses all to become cyber safer. Let's talk about a few of those things we've just nailed there, which are really interesting. So we've had it. And I think there's a big thing now with obviously people's phone numbers are out there, right? So on most people's signatures, or if not all, a lot of people with their mobile number then you get a WhatsApp, 
and it can be a joke or something like an ins they want you to share and people start sharing that. There are risks there, okay? We've had it where people have sent us emails and then you look at the email, you click it and you realise it's, it's rubbish, but they have tried to copy the bank. They've tried to copy HMRC, all of that. So how do you as a business person, and you know, we're fairly tech savvy where we are, but if you're not, and why should you be? A lot of people aren't. What are the sort of things they can watch for? Is it just don't open it? Don't look at that text? Or what would you say? Yeah, so there's a couple of little nuggets here. So remember that sort of social manipulation. So if there is a threat or a sense of urgency or a deal that's too good to be true, then just avoid it. If it's asking you to click on something or to send your bank details or your passwords, again, don't do anything. If your sort of spider senses go up and you think something's dodgy, simply don't respond to it. If it's a genuine call for action from a genuine or contact you again, in relation to little nuggets about what to look for. Uh, so we do occasionally have uh, phishing emails that come through where the spelling is bad or the grammar is bad. However, with stuff like chat GPT, the phishing emails are getting better and more plausible sounding. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that you could do is hover, don't click, but just hover over maybe the email address where the email has come from or the yeah. uh, the subject header and just see where it's coming from. Uh, if it's from gov.uk, then that may well be correct. But if it's from something that's an unrecognisable uh, website or email address, then you know that you've hovered over it for a reason and don't go there. Ultimately, what I would suggest, if there's a phishing email that's coming in saying, oh, you are one of our supplier chains we've changed our bank account details these are them yeah, 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 then yeah. what i would suggest is don't phone the number on the email because that's probably going to be the cyber attackers ready to pretend that they are your fellow business literally go through to billy smith who you deal with every day of every week when you're billing them yeah yeah or, you know, Mohammed Khan, who is the person you are always do business with at that organisation. Speak to them direct on the number that you know already. And if it's, let's say, your bank or gov.uk. Call their actual number. Literally, call their number from the website that you recognise on the internet, and then you're going to be a lot safer. How do you avoid cloned sites? Because that can be very tricky. That's a new skill, where they actually clone a site and they do that and they eventually you know sometimes get it pulled down but that's sort of happening and what happened to me as we spoke before we recorded we i fell victim to a fraud for our business where someone had called me and then i said no they were purporting me for my bank they called me again and then they basically said that they were from the bank and the number that came up on my phone they even said look at the number and the number matched the phone number and I had no idea that there was this idea of cloning numbers. So they're getting very smart. What I should have done is hung up and actually rung the bank. I regret that. But, but you know, in the moment, you're busy. You caught me on a day. So these things like sites that look like sites, numbers that come up on your phone that actually are the numbers of the, the people you trust. How do you stop yourself? Is it simply don't do it and ring them later? Yeah, I mean, as you've just acknowledged, uh, if you think mm, they're trying to get money or details out of me or access to stuff, then just say, actually, I'm really uncomfortable with this call. If you are genuine, you would understand why I yeah. want to phone the, the bank direct. Mm. And then, you know, there's other stuff, really. So with the social manipulation, what can sometimes happen is, so let's just say you've got some farmers at uh, the event uh, next month. Yeah, uh, A lot of farmers are really, really busy in the summer months. And, and that might be when, 
when somebody pretends to be from the bank because they're bothering that agricultural sector business at a time when they know they're really busy. Yes, well, you think yeah. to yourself, do you know what? I'm run off my feet at the moment. Stop bothering me. Just try and remember, you know, my Brummie accent saying to you, there's a reason they're calling me when I'm really busy. <laughs> they hope that I'm just going to say, yes, I'm going to click on this and that's it. Yeah. The same could be, for example, so shops are really busy on the build up to Christmas. Um, yep. If your bank is bothering you just before Christmas, it could be a cyber attack. They're hoping to catch you when you just click it just to get rid of the job. And that's the thing. You know, I got done on a Friday afternoon. I was picking up the kids. It's all chaos. But they call back again as well. And I, yes. you know, this sort of persistence is there. What about the other thing that is happening, which is, as you mentioned earlier, ransomware. If you get attacked and they lock you out of your website, where do I go as a business? Do we call you? Is there a number? That, is there a police place that we can get help? Okay, so there are a number of things that you are obligated to do. So you are duty-bound to report uh, crimes to uh, action fraud if there is data that's been stolen, you know, the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office uh, obligations, those sorts of things, depending yep. on the nature of the attack. You can contact the police for some help and guidance. There are businesses out there, cyber businesses, who uh, will specialise with trying to retrieve data for you. Unfortunately, that they will cost a lot of money mm. on some of those occasions, which is why the prevention is so important. One of the things that we encourage businesses to do, and it's a really frumpy old fashioned phrase, it's make sure you do good data housekeeping, yeah. which means get rid of the tap that you no longer need on your data. So the benefit of this is if you upgrade your systems, it's easier because you haven't got loads of, of data hanging around. But actually, if you get a cyber attack, you know the most important data that you need to retrieve. You know the data that you need to make sure that you are backing up on a regular basis so you can get it on a totally separate platform at pace if you've had a cyber attack but if you haven't been doing those data backups if you haven't been doing the good data housekeeping yeah. sometimes it can be really difficult let's go a little bit of a rapid fire questions that i think businesses listening would be interested right so should you have a some sort of cloud-based backup that you've got so that you've got whatever you've got on your computer, it's all backed up to the cloud. So cloud works for a lot of businesses. I can't comment for all businesses. It's about researching what's best for your business and the way that you work and the amount and nature of information you've got. So research it and have a look. If you want to come along to the Cyber Resilience Centres, they can give you free and independent help if you want it. What about if you have staff that leave and passwords stay the same, people forget, they don't change? Should you have a process that's always there to make sure that past employees can't have access to anything? Really good question. Ex-employees, if they are bitter, they can be your cyber attackers. So offboard them kindly, professionally, yeah. but also effectively. So make sure that you take off, you change passwords, you change access to data, information and websites so they no longer have access. Next quick one. If you're sort of running a business and you get someone posing or attacking you what is your best way of trying to get some recompense are there insurances out there for cyber how would a business know about this can they get these protections done before hopefully 
this never happens, but just in case it does. Another great question. So increasingly, insurance companies are stepping towards cyber insurance. However, to get cyber insurance, you've usually got to have certain basic standards in place, stuff like cyber essentials. That's a government-backed accreditation. Yeah. But there are also other standards. But you'd have to have stuff like policies, practices, passwords, uh, multi-factor authentication, encryption. So you have to do quite a bit to get cyber insurance. Otherwise, you're not eligible to claim if you do get a cyber attack. When we look at things like this you kind of think what you're talking about is one-man bands you know small businesses but big businesses can be vulnerable to these sort of attacks and in fact probably more so because there's so many employees so do you see when you're talking and you're out there are you surprised that sometimes when you talk to big brands even they aren't doing the basic things that you've, you've talked about what we're finding at the moment, the statistics over the last year, is that larger organisations are doing a bit more than your small and your micro businesses. However, some of those large organisations, their biggest threats are either from their own staff and they're trying to deal with that, yeah. but also from their, their supply chains. Mm. So actually, by helping all businesses across the whole of the nation become cyber safer, it means that those larger businesses get the protection as well as those micro businesses. So everybody needs to be a part of this moving forwards. What are you going to talk about? Well, don't give away your chat, but why should they come and listen to you in a month's time? So I don't want to scare people. I want to talk about the takeaways, what you can do to actually make your business safer. I'm not going to talk about people in hoodies who are trying to attack you. I'm going to talk how you can make your business safer so you can get to that net zero. Why are you doing it? Why do, why are you doing this? I mean, I know you got well, sort of posted, but you sound like you quite enjoy this. Oh, I've been uh, throughout all of my career really passionate about prevention as opposed to cure. Yeah. You know, having suffered a, a really bad assault on duty, yeah. I don't want other people to suffer assaults. Having seen the damage caused by cyber attacks on small, medium, and large businesses, I don't want that to happen. I joined the police. The Peel principles that were set up when policing was originally set up is to try and prevent crime. And that's what I'm passionate about because we can't arrest our way out of this. Yeah, that's. That's a fair point. And before we end, I just suppose sort of downer on this is this is just going to happen more and more often, isn't it, now as we become more and more digital? You know, kids are doing their homework on laptops. I used to have a, an exercise book and a pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then actually, you know, sometimes kids are, are, they don't play Sudoku or watch Strictly Come Dancing. They'll see if they can do a cyber attack on the on the butchers up the road because yeah. they're vegan this week or, you know, yeah. whatever. So the number of cyber attacks are going up. Right. But if you do the basics, then you are going to be much safer than if you don't do those basics. The difficulty for businesses is they're working their own out. Sometimes cyber stuff doesn't feature at the top no. of their list. No. But actually, the number of cyber attacks will continue the complexity and how impactful they are will continue to rise but that's why we're here to help businesses well Vanessa it's brilliant talking to you I'm sure your chat for the Big Zero show will be absolutely packed out and then it, you know people listening they can just look up Cyber Resilience Unit wherever they are in the country is that the best way to try and find the one that's nearest then? Yes, yeah, so mine is the WMCRC, so the West Midlands Cyber Resilience Centre. And then if you come to us, we can bounce you onto the right one. But there's also the National Cyber Resilience Centre, NCRC, and they've got a map and you can click on your relevant area. That's all free service just to help you get advice for any business. Yeah, I describe it as we're a little bit like the government health campaign. We're a bit like the couch to 5K <laughs> yeah. for cyber resilience. Excellent. Brilliant. All right. OK, we're probably at 2K, so we need a bit more.
Vanessa, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you on June the 20th. Thank you. Help. Can I control energy costs for my business? How do I electrify my transport? Is cutting emissions hard? What is carbon negative? You'll get the answers to all these questions and more at the Big Zero Show on the 20th of June at the CBS Arena in Coventry. Register for your free ticket now. Big names. Big opportunities. BigZeroShow.com You've been listening to the Net Hero Podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.